So it's uh, day 12, I think. I think it's Saturday, oh, although the days all seem to be merging into one. What I do know is that we are camped uh, near an old fort called Abu Jufan. And Philby came here, 1917. It was the first water um, for over 200 kilometres from when he'd left the oasis of uh, Alassa Hofuf, where we were, uh, what seems to be about four or five days ago. So he would have, would have been mightily relieved to uh, be here. We, uh, we're now only 100 kilometres from Riyadh, our target, and Philby's target in 1917. Uh, so we push on tomorrow, is the plan. Uh, another 5.30 alarm. Um, the sun comes up just before 6 o'clock. Um, right now the sun's been gone for... I think the sun set at five, so it's now after eight o'clock. So the sky is uh, is just another amazing canopy of stars. Mars has risen. Orion is up just behind me there, and Jupiter is up in the sky. It's just a, a wonderfully calm night. The uh, team are sitting under uh, an acacia tree, which gave us a bit of shade um, when we arrived this afternoon with our camels. And it was great that Reem was the first Philby to ride camels into this old fort for 105 years, a very touching moment. And we relaxed under the shade of the acacia tree. And, and then when the sun uh, started to go down about four o'clock, when the temperatures dropped, we walked down to the fort and tried to work out the position where Philby would have stood in 1917 when he took the photograph, the black and white photograph that we carry, and we, we're pretty sure we found that. Trees have grown since the, t since the time that he took it, but you know, it's, without doubt it's the exact place that he, uh, that, 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 that he stood. So this morning was uh, uh, you know, an, an early rise. It was windy. If you hear the podcast earlier that I tried to do with Remos, we were walking, e even though we were cupping our hands around the microphone, it was, uh, it was almost impossible to, uh, to, to, to avoid the wind. But uh, we covered about 15 kilometres uh, on foot before the camel team caught us up and then we jumped on the camels and rode the last few kilometres into, uh, into Abu Jifan. And I managed to get the drone up over the dunes uh, first thing this morning and some spectacular shots uh, there. So um, I'm, I've been asked by um, our um, persuasive producers at Adventurous Audio to speak a little bit about what motivates me to do this kind of thing um, and to talk about maybe how... It, how, how I kind of connect to Philby and what it all means to me, and I think if I, if I, uh, where, where does it come from? Um, what I do because I've been doing expeditions for over forty years of my life, and I think it, it essentially comes from a childhood growing up in rural Shropshire, and uh, you know I just grew up being outdoors, uh, very comfortable in my own company, very much enjoyed other people's company, but very comfortable equally on my own. And um, and silence, I think. It's you know, having a rural childhood, um, used to silence and, and quite comfortable in silence. And so, you know, it's a, it's a lifetime of, of, of exploration, really, that was kick-started by a fantastic charity in the attic of the Royal Geographical Society in London, set up by a survivor of Scott's South Pole expedition, Murray Levick, 
and uh, it was when I went with them in 1979 called British Schools Exploring Society and it still survives today it's evolved and is doing uh, fantastic work for young people in Britain called British Exploring Society and I went with them when I was um, what was I 17 18 never been to London went for an interview on the train um, Ended up being offered a place on, on a six-week expedition to North Norway, just north of the Arctic Circle, with 60 other people, none of whom, well, one of whom I knew, my best friend Dewey, and um, uh, shared a tent with two people I'd never met, grew up incredibly quickly undertaking scientific research in, a, in, a, in an extraordinary place where the sun didn't set for six weeks. And that really opened my eyes and opened the eyes of... Um, you know, a young lad who rarely set foot outside the Shire of Shropshire, and uh, a bit, bit like Frodo and Bilbo Baggins, really, and uh, opened my eyes to a, a world of opportunity. And and in my twenties, I just did not stop exploring, skiing across the Greenland ice cap. And and, and there was a theme to these expeditions in that I, I tended to be attracted to following in the footsteps of, of extraordinary journeys um just trying to empathize with the with the amazing people that did these journeys so one that springs to mind with my friend Nigel Harling is, is we skied across the Greenland ice cap following the footsteps of Fritjof Nansen using parachutes to haul us across from east to west a fantastic journey then journeys into the northwest passage of Canada involving twin otters being surrounded by wolves polar bears in the footsteps of William Edward Parry who nearly became the first person to um, to find a way through the Northwest Passage in the 1820s you know in charge of, of over 80 men two ships in his 20s amazing leadership uh, and, 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 and foresight to avoid uh, utter disaster so from all of these old explorers I, I learn a lot that enables me to move forward and um, then I went back to the charity that gave me the opportunity as a young person and I started leading expeditions for them uh, off the north coast of Norway, much further north at Svalbard and I uh, spent two years of my life now living in a small tent on Svalbard uh, leading groups of young people and that's really where I get my enjoyment today. You know, I've done all the... In my younger days, I'm 61 now, in my younger days I was, you know, quite happy to carry a 40 kilo backboard no I wouldn't say I was happy to carry a 40 kilo backboard but I have carried 40 kilo generators on my back up and down mountains in Norway but but all that kind of macho stuff fizzled out pretty quickly and and there's much more to journeys for me today than um that kind of stuff it's all about being with inspiring people but using journeys to inspire others and the way that I was inspired you know I struggled to find my way at school but it was the outdoors that gave me a direction and uh, it was people that were prepared to go a little bit beyond in the form of teachers who who opened doors for me that uh, that really I wasn't mature enough to uh, to make the most of at the time in my life so Middle East has been a big chunk of my life, 25 years out here, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and the last 17, 18 in the beautiful country, Oman. But and, and, and I guess if there's a theme to a lot of the journeys I do in the Middle East, so five, six years ago, we, we crossed the biggest sand desert on earth, 49 days from Solana to Doha on foot and by camel, no tents, sleeping on the sand the way the old explorers did. And, and it... You know, I've, I've really locked my door in the Middle East. I really locked my car. People talk about freedom in the Middle East. I feel freer here than I do 
anywhere else in the world. You know, for the last three or four days, over 200 kilometres, we've just driven wherever we want to, across flat plains, rocky terrain, sand, desert. I feel absolute freedom here that is very hard to replicate in other parts of the world. And 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 so, so a theme to my journeys increasingly is trying to show the other side of Arabia beyond the headlines that tends to dominate, that, 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 that the news and the media tends to focus on, because the people here are the kindest people you will ever meet. You know, when we arrived at the fort this afternoon, we came across a couple who, you know, insisted that we... You know, join them for coffee and dates. Do you have food? Would you like to join us? The hospitality is incredible. Um, you know, I go home to Scotland and it's sort of nervous, twitching curtains and people not being quite so friendly. But here, the, the warmth and the openness of the hospitality is, uh, I, I find, very attractive. And, I, I, you know, to be honest, I have very little in common with Philby, I think. You know, he's absolute intellectual man on a plane way beyond me but what we do share is is just we are both when i read his books you know the common ground between philby and i is that we are both uh, at peace and we both find contentment in the desert he used to plunge into all sorts of controversial stuff in more civilized surroundings um but but in the desert he was his own man and he did his own thing that that and that that's what floats my boat really the simplicity of life in in great company the company for example of the three people i've been with with for the last 12 days just fantastic so i i feel completely comfortable out here i feel very uncomfortable in noisy crowded places um and that this this is where i find that contentment um what do i admire about philby just that he's a man of absolute conviction and principle um yes he irritated the heck out of his own government but thank goodness for people that stand up for things that aren't quite right and and object even at the cost of their own careers perhaps and uh you know not many people have the conviction to do that these days and i, I do wonder what philby would be doing if he were around today because all this greenwashing and and political um speak was certainly not for him um and I'm sure he would be plunging into more controversy, but I really do admire someone who is prepared to upset the status quo and just speak out when things are not right. And, you know, he was a man of principle, and a lot of people say he must have died a wealthy man. You know, he 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 was the confidant of the king, one of the wealthiest people in the world when he was alive, um, for over 43 years, really, and... Um, he, he he helped negotiate the biggest oil deal in the history of the planet when Saudi sold its concession, not to the British, but to the Americans via Aramco, what is now Aramco. But you know what? Philby died a poor man, and, and the reason he died a poor man, despite the king offering him all sorts of rewards to thank him for his friendship and his counsel, Philby said, no, if I take that from you, um, your Royal Highness, then I can never challenge you. I can never question what you say. So someone who puts those principles before money, uh, you know, stands very high in my regard. I think another thing that that I enjoy from expeditions is is, is the people as much as the place. And, and Thesiger wrote about the people of the desert being as important as the place, because without them, the experience would have been quite quite hollow and shallow. And 
you know, in my job in Oman, I run a not-for-profit organization called Outward Bound. And, you know, the motivation in Outward Bound is not money. It, it's it's mission-driven because we believe that we make a difference to people's lives. And, uh, and, and we've used the desert, you know, the fireplace of the desert around which we've warmed our toes and our fingers for the last 12 nights is the oldest university on earth. Forget about... Um, Salamanca and, and Oxford and all these places, the oldest university on earth is the fireplace because around the fire of the desert, people have sat and discussed and resolved issues and challenges for thousands of years. And we've used that place of learning really as a, as a catalyst to inspire future leaders, young leaders, people of the future who can help try and address these polarizations, this polarization of cultures and these misunderstandings between East and West, the Arab world and the Western world, however you want to define it. And and a simple program that I launched many years ago at the British Museum in London went on to become recognized by UNESCO as a one of the world's lead, leading civil society initiatives. And it was based around that concept of of learning from each other around the fire with no distractions, no mobile phone. So for many years in Oman, I've been taking groups on five-day expeditions um, into the sands with camels, walking, talking, discussing issues, what are the causes of, of, of um, and solutions to extremism, what is the role of the media, what are the solutions, that's important. It's so easy to be critical and negative, but we have to come up with solutions. And And, and tomorrow night, for me, is the most important night of the expedition because we're going to be joined by young people from two schools in Riyadh the British International School in Riyadh and MISC school some Saudi Arabian students from MISC, MISC schools they'll be joining us at the University of the Desert tomorrow night around the fireplace so I'm looking forward to uh, to talking to them but on the, on our five-day courses we I often refer to uh, uh, someone who's, who inspires me, really. And you know you've achieved something in your life when you, there's three statues of you plonked in various parts of the world. And an Irishman called Edmund Burke was considered many centuries ago as being a bit of a radical, but he was such a great thinker. And, uh, uh, and I believe this quote that he came out with is, for me, sums up the need for people like me, I guess, in my own humble way, to step up and make a difference. It's so easy to be comfortable and do nothing. Uh, but Edmund Burke's quote is, is that all that is needed for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And that's my challenge to these young people at the end of our five days in the desert. And that's kind of my inner challenge to myself. Um, I can't, I'm not the kind of person who can just sit around and do nothing. I, I, I want to try and contribute in some way uh, to make a difference. And, um, you know, in, I've been surrounded by inspiring people for the, a big chunk of my life. Expeditions introduce you to inspiring people. I'm traveling with three inspiring people. You know, when you're, when you're leading an expedition like I am now, you, you're, you're essentially the CEO of a small SME, not-for-profit. You know, it's not driven by money. It's driven by mission. You know, I have to fundraise. I have to manage a budget have logistics to consider we've got a mission we've got a direction we've got external communications we've got internal communications i've got to build a team i've got to choose the right people and 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 on this trip i i you know i I'm, i know that i've chosen i've chosen three fantastic people to share this journey with and it, and it gives me great 
enjoyment to use this journey to give them all a bit of a platform in their lives you know i uh, yesterday i uh, i posted some photographs that anna maria our photographer um took and because uh, we had a brief signal we were in sight of a road and and i made a list of the feedback i got from about eight people instantly um stunning terrific magical incredible fantastic you know, Anna Maria is a fantastic photographer and I hope this expedition she will use. She's sponsored by Leica, which is the top, top, the Rolls Royce of the camera world. And I hope that she will use this as a platform to go on and achieve greater things in her life. You know, the guy who's looked after all of our logistics and our route finding, one of the most humble people you'll ever find, Alan Morrissey. Brilliant. And I hope this will in some way give Alan the satisfaction that it's given me because I know he, like me, enjoys the desert very very much and you know i i've got incredible pride in watching reem because it's reem's grandfather that we're following and just watching her be reconnected to her family not reconnected because she's never lost that connection but she'd perhaps never knew too much about her grandfather and it's been lovely to watch that her own pride in when we've arrived in places where her grandfather would have been 105 years ago and um and that's been fantastic for me to see. So I, I get huge satisfaction, not just from walking from A to B. That's not the point. It's the journey and, and, and the people that you share it with and the stories that you you tell and you hear and the lives that you help shape. And, um, you know, we need more Edmund Burks. We need more uh, good people to stand up and do something, really. Because it's so easy when you have a full belly and you you're warm to do nothing. Um, but society goes nowhere if, if, if that's the case, you know, I'm inspired. There's a, there's a wonderful group I've watched emerge in Inverness. I, I live in a little village called Bewley, um, a, 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 a voluntary organization called Aban doing great work with young people, uh, around, uh, the Inverness area, introducing them to the outdoors and the value of, uh, of, 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 of outdoor learning. So... You know, that's that's a little bit about me and what inspires me to do what I do. Um, I think I may have mentioned that I don't sleep in a tent. And the next thing I'm going to do, because I'm I'm pretty smelly, actually. I'm just looking at my watch here. I've done over about 30,000 steps today, so I'm pretty pooped. We've had lunch. I'm going to get a little bit of water. We don't have too much water, but we're, we've already got two days left now. Tomorrow night is our final camp, so I'm going to have a do my best to get a bit of the sweat off my body and um um and just get into my sleeping bag put my head back on the jacket that i use as a pillow and just look at the amazing night sky above me we've already seen two or three meteors scuttling across so uh, hopefully another entertaining night under the stars of arabia awaits <laughs>